What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Osborne, and you are listening to part four of episode 18 of VGM Generations. And with me, as always, is Aaron Balauchak. Hello. And Norm Garrett. Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, in this series of episodes, we are talking about RPGs, and it's back to me to go first. And uh, the game I have selected was number 50, no, number 49, sorry, of IGN's top 100 RPGs. So right in the middle. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. And the track I picked was Gower Plains. So this is a game developed by Monolith Soft and published by Nintendo. Part of the Xeno uh, series of games that stretches all the way back to Xeno Gears uh, in 1998. Uh, but this one came out in 2012. And uh, part of the reason I picked this was that uh, the music is interesting from the aspect of, just like um, Mass Effect 2 that I talked about earlier in the month, um, this was a compositional team. So uh, the music was, uh, the team was uh, Yoko Shinomura, who I forgot to credit correctly uh, when I was talking about Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, because she also composed for that. Uh, Yasunori Mitsuda, uh, Manami Kiyota, and a compositional team called Ace Plus, <laughs> uh, which is three members. Easy part to pronounce in that string. Yes, Ace, Ace Plus. Ace Plus, which is very easy to pronounce. So, um, so this... Uh, the Gower Plains track is composed by the Ace Plus team. Um, so I actually heard this song, the reason, like I've been mentioning all month, not a big RPG guy, but uh, I had actually heard this song before on the Smash Bros. Wii U or Smash Bros. 4, whatever you want to call it, um, soundtrack. So it's it's the same song, and it's actually a medley from uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. There's a couple songs in there, but and it's a little more rocky, like more rocked up as much of the Smash Bros. music is. You it's know? gotta be high intensity and energy because you yeah. you're fighting. So, exactly. Yeah. So they they add in some some guitar and some heavier drums and stuff like that. But I love the original. Um so uh the composers, so uh Yoko, which I mentioned, she worked on the Mario and Luigi series as well as Kingdom Hearts. Uh Yasunori Mitsuda uh has worked with the games director uh Tetsuya Takahashi. Uh, for years, they've been like they've been a team for a long time, and so um, they call each other. I think it's a it's Mitsan and Takasan or something like mm -hmm. that. Misan and Takasan. So or Chan, sorry Chan, not San. So because that's like the friendly name, I guess. So they just have like shorthand for each other. But yeah, they. It's funny because I read this big interview uh, that I'm going to talk about in a bit. But like uh, they never really talked about their work together because it was it was almost like it's been so long that they don't even. It doesn't even seem like work anymore. You got the feeling. Uh, and then Minami Kyoto, whose uh, previous video game work came in the form of Poke Park Wii and Glory of Hercules. Ooh, what a, <laughs> what a resume. Yeah, exactly. So Poke Park Wii was a Japan-only game, and Glory of Hercules was like this tiny little RPG. Um, so she she actually had done a lot of work on in like um, theater, and also she's a vocalist, uh, has done a lot of singing on tracks and stuff. But... Um, had never really worked on games, but then got sucked into this. So um, Ace Plus got involved um, when the game's director uh, asked Dog Ear Records, who, which is in Japan, Dog Ear Records is Nobo Uematsu's music company. So it's like his kind of studio and company that he started. Uh, he asked him, I need some people to write this music. And he was like, you should go get Ace Plus. Um, you should go. Oh yeah, basically. <laughs> don't don't be here. Go. Don't be here. Yeah. Go. Yeah. No, but like you should go. Yeah. You know, talk to these guys for yeah. it. So, um, 
they Ace Plus was hired to do uh, mostly the battle music um, and didn't really focus on the uh, event and field sections. So Gower Plains, the music we're going to listen to, is a bit of a uh, is a bit of an exception. Um, so a so Ace Plus is actually it's kind of a weird thing. So there was a musical duo called Ace, and that's um, Hiroyu Yamanaka, whose short name for some reason is Chico. And <laughs> I like that. Tomori Kudo. Um, they got together when they were um, contracted to work on Tamagotchi 64. Hmm. If any of us remember Tamagotchi 64. <laughs> I want to go back and I want to look up like this Glory of Hercules and Tamagotchi yeah, I know. 64 so all, all, games. I want to see all their, their... They all got their starts on this yeah. really weird stuff. So they work together and they've worked together ever since. And so they formed this musical group called Ace. Um, Ace Plus became a thing uh, with this game and they added uh, Kenji Hiromatsu uh, to the team and renamed the, he he's the plus in ace plus so uh, the reason uh, they added him in just for to have another guy to help out and also because I guess they said he's like the hardest core of the hardcore gamers of the group and so he actually was able to go out and um, play early builds of the game and had a better sense of like what they were composing for. So uh, they really liked his input there, but <laughs> it's good to know what you're actually composing for, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, well, because like uh, other than that, the, uh, the director had just given them like very uh, direction on like, it should sound like this or it should sound like that, but we're going to get into all the other uh, stuff with the, of with between the director and the, and the compositional team after we listen to the track, but let's listen to Gower Plains from Xenoblade Chronicles.
So how much of this game did you play, Norm? Uh, about 10 minutes. Oh, really? So just, <laughs> yeah. did you rent it, really it didn't or? didn't grab you. It didn't grab me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had you rented it or did you buy it? Uh, I borrowed it. Oh, you borrowed it. Yeah. All right. That's the best way to sample a game. Yeah. What, what system was that on? A Wii. It was on the Wii? So yeah. this, this game is actually kind of weird because it came out on the Wii, the Wii U, but also the 3DS. Hmm. So they released a version of it for the 3DS after the 3DS. I think it only runs on, it's one of the ones that you need like the new yes. Nintendo 3DS yeah, yeah, to run it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, cause it's takes a little more horsepower, but I guess, yeah, they just wanted to milk it a little longer. Um, but yeah. And then the sequel to this game is coming out, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles two. And I, I don't know, is that going to be a switch game? You know, uh, must be. It I must be. I, yeah. I, I, you would I, think so. I, I do. I'm pretty sure it is because I remember it being announced at E3 and watching the trailer for it. Yeah, the then, launch event. Yeah, and then immediately forgetting. Immediately forgetting because <laughs> I didn't care. So yeah. So unfortunately, the uh, the other guys can't lend their uh, lend their expertise on this game for I mean, for this one. But I mean, my expertise can at least comment on the voice acting, which I did not find. Very good, and that turns me off to a game pretty quickly. Is, oh, yeah. But isn't yeah. that like a standard uh, in like most RPGs is bad voice acting? That's, isn't like that the that's Final kind Fantasy of the hallmark of one of the reasons I've had a fallout with the genre? Yeah, <laughs> 10 years or so. What was it the, was better when you could read it and just imagine it in your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What Final Fantasy game was it that had the laugh? The that's like, huh, the 10? Huh. 10. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. that clip. The I've Titus never played. Laugh. Yeah, I've never played yeah. any of the like Final <laughs> Fantasies, but that clip on YouTube gets me every time. I love it. It makes me laugh so hard. It does have a lot of uses. It's, yeah, it's all great. purpose. Well, if you yeah, if you put it in your head, it kind of flips the story that he he he's not actually sincerely laughing. He's just doing it for the benefit of this other character. Then it it kind of works, but it also taints the story a bit. Well, it's yeah, funny because okay. I now I don't I can't really remember very clearly, but I read an interview that they gave with the voice actor and how that was like the direction he was given for that scene. And like there was a specific purpose why it was read like that. It's basically him saying that it's not bad. I was told to do it like this. So oh, okay, because huh. yeah. they they had some pretty good talent. <laughs> I'm not that. a bad voice yeah. actor. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So I'm anyway. sure that article is still out there. I'm sure you can read all about the history of Titus's laugh online. So probably. All right. So uh, to talk a little more, um, so all this information that I have on this uh, game and on the composition and everything like that all came from a, um, uh, I want to asks series. And if you don't know what that is, that's uh, the late, great, uh, I want to, he used to interview, uh, for Nintendo in like these big long blog posts. Which just in case people don't know, we should mention who Iwata Yeah, he, the former yeah. president of yes. uh, Nintendo. Who passed away. Who passed away years tragically ago. a yes. few years ago. So, um, But yeah, so um, much like I talked about in Mass Effect 2, um, uh, one of the biggest problems with having six composers for a game is making the sound... Uh, holistic, making it not sound disjointed. You yeah. don't want it to sound like you six want different people composed it in yeah. a game. So um, they, uh, the musicians actually for this actually ended up traveling to each other's houses to see what equipment and gear and software each other was using and then would mirror their setups at home. So everybody to, to try and make it as holistic as possible, everybody actually mirrored each other's setups. And they said for some of them, it was really hard because it's like, I've been using this program for 25 years and I'm really comfortable with it. And then here you have to use this one now. <laughs> so that was, that was interesting. Um, 
I think a better experiment would be if they just all swapped homes and just had to use each other's gear. Just, <laughs> just straight like up. Air, you, Airbnb yeah, like, each Exactly. Other. <laughs> Everyone moved to the house on your right, and then you must use that gear to compose. Yeah, it's like a, a fun experiment. Compositional musical chairs. Yeah. Another, I think, another drawback of having such a big compositional team on a video game is, you know, when we're researching who wrote individual <laughs> tracks. Yes, that's <laughs> true. It does make it difficult. But uh, this game, actually, they did a really good job. They released a soundtrack... Uh, I think it's a multi-CD soundtrack because there is a ton of music on this game. Well over, I think it's like 135 songs or something like that. Mm. It's a lot. It's a big soundtrack. Um, but they did release the full entire soundtrack and everybody is credited for who did Individually what. credited yeah. on each song. Yeah, yeah, so it's excellent in that way. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time I'm researching, like <laughs> yeah. you, you see a, see a game and there's one nameless in our composer. Yeah. It's like you a like, huge weight off your shoulders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, when it's like an old game and it's just simple, it was, mm. you know, Koji Kondo. Yes. Easy. Yeah. I'm like um, researching but, my uh, breaking into cold sweats because I can't find out who <laughs> actually wrote the track I like. Uh, yeah. The lives of uh, video game podcast hosts. Um, but yeah, so the games director actually started out, um, like I said before, sending them samples of music being like, you know, this you hear about this a lot in like movies or video games or anything. They're like, I kind of want it to sound like this. So then the director will send you a sample. Uh, but he actually uh, X that because he kept getting music that sounded too much like the sample and he just wanted it to be an overall feel, not be like basically recompose this. So he stopped doing that uh, and then just um, said, compose something and then send it to me and then I'll give you feedback. So that's what he started doing. But the really funny part about this and like, I actually recommend if you have the time and if you like Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, go read the Iwat Asks a series of interviews. I only read the music one. There's like four others. This was, he did a big series on this, but um, he talks about, so Takahashi talks about how he would get, he would listen to the, you know, the samples that the musicians had sent them. And then he would write them an email. And he was like, I had to be, I had to be harsh in the emails because I wanted them. Like I needed to bring like force everything in a line. If I had been too lax, the music wouldn't wouldn't have ended up sounding the way I wanted to, and it wouldn't have sound holistic. So, um, so he's like, I would write these really harsh emails, and then every and then all the uh, <laughs> all the composers are like, oh man, it was so hard. I was so drained. I was so worried every time I would send off a sample, I would just like sit there waiting for the email, like fretting. And they're they're talking about like, and they're all kind of laughing to each other, like they would call each other for support because they were so worried about it. And then right at, like near the end of the interview, he mentions that uh, the emails weren't even the first draft. He would write this incredibly harsh email and then he would send it to his staff to like lighten up a bit <laughs> so that it wasn't quite as bad and then send it. And then all the, all the, all the musicians are like, really? That wasn't the, like, that wasn't the full blast. <laughs> so he had like a softening editor. Yeah, exactly. They said, I think they said they would like sweeten it a bit is what yeah. they said in the interview. He put Yikes. all the horrible ones in a scrapbook and gave it to the team after the game was a success. Well, and then <laughs> they should release that as a book. It's like a companion book. At the end of the interview, they're like, is there anything you like wish you had, like wish you had kept or something like that? And they were like, hey, we want to see those draft emails. And he's like, oh, what's the time? I have to be going. It was, it was really funny. So um, the one thing about Xenoblade Chronicles that... Uh, Again, this is third party because I haven't played the game, but they said that it is a it is slightly different than your standard JRPG in the in its in its style and in its uh, like look and things like that. And they were really trying to reflect that in the music. 
So that the music is so varied and so different. It isn't just one consistent theme all the way through. There's all sorts of genres and themes always through the soundtrack. And I did listen to a smattering of songs from Xenoblade Chronicles. And I think just from my sampling, there is a lot of different music in there. So, you know, whether the game is good or not, or whether you love it or hate it, it does have some great music. So, and that works just, that works just fine for this podcast. So, <laughs> all right, Norm, what do you got for us this week? All right. Well, in a, I tried to to break my my battle music. Uh, <laughs> yeah, were you successful? I, I was you successful. Cannot. Oh, really? No, I thought <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, no, it didn't work. I did. I did break my battle music uh, run, Addiction. but but I did go back on another bad habit, uh, and that's the game. I'm doing a Final Fantasy game, which I've already featured many so far on this <laughs> podcast, but I love them so much. Hey, it's, it's it's the classics. It's the pinnacle of video game music, right? I'm sure there's some listeners yeah. that are just like. Finally, finally, someone understands. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I chose Final Fantasy four for the Super Famicom, and it was Final Fantasy two on the Super Nintendo, released in 1991 by Square, and it's been released in many other formats since. Basically, if you own a digital uh, thing, you can probably <laughs> find Final Fantasy four on it. I've got a combo. Can I get Final Fantasy four on it? Uh, Talk to me later. I, b- I believe it, I believe it was ported to the Cobo. I got a Texas Instruments TI-83 graphing calculator. I think that can do Doom, at least. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, this I kind of credit this game as... This is the game that kind of hooked me into the RPG genre. Um, it was... If you remember those who've played Super Mario 64 when it first came out, if you remember it, just how much that blew... Well, me personally, away when I first played it, it was kind of akin to that on uh, on the RPG genre. So, Final Fantasy IV for me was the first game that had you know um, had actual engaging story characters. It dealt with you know pretty mature themes for for the time. Um, I think Fantasy Star gets a lot of credit for doing the same for the the Sega. Sega fans, but for me, this was like well, my to, first. Yeah, to a kid, this is like this transports you to another place. This is like impossibly vast and epic sort of games that you just didn't have access to before. Yeah, exactly. And I had played the Final Fantasy One for NES, and it was it was I mean a good game. It was turn based combat, which I like, but it just it didn't have a story. It didn't have the you know the most engaging score. Uh, and this this gave me that, and this just hooked me on the RPG genre at the time. Um, so it was Final Fantasy IV is a, trail of, uh, a tale of betrayal, redemption, and flying to the moon on a big whale, um, which are all new <laughs> themes for me back then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, like I said, the music was, was no exception. Um, well, it was exceptional, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> composed by Nobuo Uematsu, who we've talked about before, um, uh, this time, like I said, I didn't choose the battle music, though it was hard to ignore because the battle music in this game is great. Uh, I chose the cave music, and this kind of plays whenever you're exploring a cave. Uh, it's got a very mysterious and isolating uh, tension to it, um, and it just it, it just it brings me back every time I listen to it. So let's have a listen. It's the cave music called "Into the Darkness" by Nobuo Uematsu.
So one of my friends said, we both liked this track back in high school. And the way he said, he said, it's like the music in the Adams Family movie where they're in the underground river. I don't remember that, but I just never <laughs> forgot, forgot that. I was like, okay. Sounds like it might be like a Danny Elfman kind of joint or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, also, like in classic Final Fantasy tradition, there's, there's harps and that's fun. Yeah, there's harps, and it's kind of it's just got this weird chord structure that that Nobuo has always played with, and it's just it makes his music stand out. Um, I was looking into the kind of process uh, his sound team went through to compose this game. You know, being on a new system, new new hardware, and and needing to develop new compositional techniques. He described it as excruciating, which resulted in many nights at the office in sleeping bags. <laughs> so <laughs> his you fruits, hear about, the fruits of his labor. Did you hear about that thing um, that came out a little while ago and it was talking about, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was talking about um, Mario time. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah, so basically he would walk around the office and if people were told it was Mario time, that meant you were sleeping at the office that <laughs> night. <laughs> that, it's, it's, it's crunch time. We, yeah, we, we in the industry now know it as crunch time, yeah. but for them it was Mario time. I like that how he like softened it up yeah. uh, by calling it Mario time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you're, if you're doing it for Mario, it's okay, right? Yeah. Exactly. Maybe if yeah. I called my own crunch time Mario time, I would feel better about it. You probably so, would. Yeah. You know, I have no opinion whether you stay or not, but what would Mario think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to let that guy down. Mario will be disappointed. <laughs> so what else do you have for us? Um, just a bit more about the music. Uh, I got, I just, I read that I didn't know this, but actually one of the tracks in this game was so popular in Japan that it's actually taught uh, as part of the music curriculum at some schools in <laughs> Japan. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I kind of, the way I, I originally played this game is, like I said, I liked Final Fantasy, Um but it wasn't like my favorite game. Uh, and when this Super Nintendo came out, I was most interested in A Link to the Past. And my friend who I mentioned earlier, uh, he was most interested in Final Fantasy II. So it was on my radar through him, essentially. Um, we were renting back then, and I went to, went, went to rent Zelda, and it wasn't in, and Final Fantasy II was in, so I kind of fell into this game. And just the minute I, I plugged it in the music... The music started up and I was hooked. And I, I think that was the latest I'd ever stayed up that night I first rented it, you know, at 12 years old or whatever I was. I think I stayed up till maybe three in the morning. And oh, wow. before that, you know, when I was 12, I don't think I'd stayed up past maybe one at the <laughs> latest. Now so, I have to ask, because this is like the tradition with big RPGs, especially of that time, is that uh, you rented it, but did it come with any maps or booklets or anything like that? Like, did it have a lot of stuff because that that stuff used to suck me in i'd be like there's this bestiary and like this map and it like i'd pour over that stuff even before i'd play the game yeah most of these games came with at least maps and i believe this one came with a map the the unfortunate consequence of renting uh at our hometown anyway is they would just make a photocopy of the manual <laughs> and uh you wouldn't get the other goodies but that's okay yeah. all right that's about all i have for that they tried yeah they tried yeah <laughs> Aaron, what do you have for us this week? Well, I'm going to shake things up and go in a completely different direction by talking about Nubo, Nobu, <laughs> Nobu Uematsu. <laughs> Stumbled a bit there. Nobu Uematsu, again, since we, we just talked about him, I am talking it's about... Nobu Uematsu week. <laughs> it seems like it, since you talked about him too. And, exactly. You know. 
But uh, I'm talking about a game that, while has Final Fantasy in the name, is not a true Final Fantasy game. I'm talking about Final Fantasy Legend for the Game Boy, the original Game Boy. And that game was actually known as Saga in uh, Japan. And while it wasn't... uh, it wasn't really critically well-reviewed at the time. It has since become this huge classic. And when they decided to localize it to North America, they rebranded it as Final Fantasy, which already had the name recognition from the NES classic from a few years before. So Final Fantasy Legend was one of the first Game Boy games I... It was one of the earliest RPGs I ever played, one of the first Game Boy games I ever had. And I was just totally like blown away by the fact that you could have a game like this on a handheld like this epic RPG quest. Everything from like the box art on it, which just showed like there was a helmet and a sword and a, and a chest that was open with a key in it. And it was just sitting in the, on the floor in the middle of this light beam. And even that artwork, just like to my, to my child imagination, like that just had its hooks this in me. This looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, I, and it was one of those games that came with like a cool, fully illustrated manual that showed like, pictures of monsters and stuff like that. It had I used a, to love that a, when you would get like the game art, even yeah. though, cause it was like back in the day, right? Like now the game art is pretty much the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? But back then it was like, I got these tiny little pixels, but it's like, <laughs> it's actually this thing. That was great. Yeah. yeah. There must've been some marketing genius, especially with the game boy games. For some reason, I seem to remember the game boy box art engaging me the most to play them. At. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it was, they had, a good, it was, they had a good team of artists yeah. at the time. It was the square design, the compact package. There was something about it that just had it all together. Yeah. Uh, nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and like this, this game, Final Fantasy Legend, and this is the first in like, there were three Final Fantasy Legend games for the Game Boy. And there's more Saga games in, in Japan, but those were the three North American releases as Final Fantasy Legend. And while previously in the podcast I've talked about Final Fantasy Legend 3 before, now I'm talking about the original. This is final, the very first Final Fantasy Legend. And uh, like this game, like I said, all nostalgia for me. It features a classic RPG sort of um, storyline where you start in this, there's this big overworld and right in the middle of this world is this tower. And from this tower, all monsters issue forth so they're just pouring out of this tower but you can't access the tower you need to like defeat the kings or solve their problems there's like three kings in the land a king called sword shield and uh armor and you have to get the three legendary pieces of the sword shield and armor to access the tower and and the tower is like the gateway to heaven basically the story is that the creator created the tower to link all worlds together So it always, and even though like in the game, it was just this, these little pixels kind of representing almost like a tower of Babylon spiral kind of thing. Like these tiny little pixels had it in my head, like this, this vast stretching tower up into the clouds that just disappeared with a staircase that just went on and on forever. So does that mean the monsters were coming from heaven? Essentially coming from the different worlds of the tower or coming from the tower itself. Like, I see. And what you do is after you, left the uh, the main world of continent, which was the bottom one, you travel up this, the flights of the tower and then every so every few floors or so, you would encounter another world and they'd uh, be like totally time. different. You'd come across, the next one was I think the world of ocean. So it's like a world covered in water and there's pirates everywhere. And then... Uh, now I know I love this game. <laughs> yeah. Pirates. <laughs> pirates. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were monster pirates. Even better. Yeah. And then you would travel up and there was the world of sky and so it was this world in the clouds and uh, 
Lots they, of platforming. <laughs> or no, it's an it's RPG. A, what RPG. am I saying? It's lots of climbing ladders and traversing uh, just temples and stuff like that. Yeah. And then um, uh, then you'd go up to, on floor 16 was the World of Ruins. And that's, I'm getting up there because uh, that's where the song I'm talking about comes from. This is actually called uh, Knights of the Demon World Tower and it is the overworld theme for floor 16 or the World of Ruin. And I really liked this one because it was so different for an RPG because, like I said, it was like ocean and pirates and it was sort of like, you know, everything's like old fantasy sort of inspired. Then there was the uh, world of sky, which was very fantasy inspired. And then in the world of ruin, it was like post-apocalyptic ruined city. It was like a futuristic Akira kind of Tokyo city that lies in ruins. And there was like, you team up with a motorcycle gang and you get these futuristic motorcycles and you drive around. And it was just bizarre to me. Yeah, but, it, quite a, you know, change of pace, if yeah, you will. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a huge tonal shift for the game. That's cool. And, I like that. Oh, yeah, and I loved it. And beyond that, you would, uh, you'd climb to the top of the tower. And should I spoil this game? It's, you know, old game, but... Spoiler warning, just in case you Spoiler warning for, for Final Fantasy Legend, which, you know, is, is a hard game to come across nowadays. So, you know, it's not available for a lot of different things. So chances are that you'll actually play Emulated. It. I think. Emulated. I think they remade them in Japan. They did. The it actually, yeah. in 2007 or 2008, it got a re-release and a re-remake for the Wonderswan color. Okay. And also had some mobile releases. Like, it was on mobile, but it was, like, Japan-specific. So, like, SoftBank, the big Japanese mobile company, yeah, you're had a release of it. Not so, going to find it over here. Yes, you will no, not find no it over English. here. Unless you can find, like, a port, uh, like, some sort of uh, ROM of the Wonderswan color yeah, version or like or maybe like that. with a fan with translation. With a fan translation, exactly. Yeah. And there are, for the sequel, Final Fantasy Legend 2, there was a fan translation um, DS game, actually, that was not released here in North America. So Okay. But Final Fantasy Legend 1, a little harder to come across. But what after you travel to the top of the tower, you'd fight the demon who's basically been controlling all the sub-demons in all the worlds. You'd kill him, then you'd travel up to essentially heaven where you'd meet the creator. And this, of course, is a very Final Fantasy thing who tells you that he created Ashura, the demon, and all of the sub-demons because he was bored and wanted to test humanity. And uh, then, and since you were brave enough to conquer everything, he offers you a wish. And this pisses off the team, who <laughs> figures they're just pawns in the game. So instead of like accepting their wish, they fight the creator and destroy him. So they fight God and tear him down. Nice. So, That's yeah. actually a way better reason good for ending. fighting God than most RPGs. <laughs> Usually it's just like, you don't even question it. It's just like, it's a destroyer, so you kill it. But I like that this guy was just bored. Yeah. You just, and, and you're more, so annoyed. Yeah. You're just like, you know what? You don't, you don't yeah, deserve to exist. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's much more realistic for this universe anyway. Yeah. And it also, after that, it had a very uh, sort of dark tower. I don't want to get into a, a different tangent for this feeling to me is that they basically destroy the creator and then they climb a little staircase and they come across another door and they're like, another door to what? Another universe? Another world? What could this possibly be? And they decide not to open it and they turn away. And so they just leave oh, that. Oh, the mystery. They just leave that as a mystery. RPGs have definitely gone downhill since <laughs> that. Hey, if you can get your hands on a copy of Final Fantasy Legend, it's one that I will continually replay. I love it. It's not a long RPG. But like the quality of the storytelling in it is great, despite the sometimes goofy Japanese like to English translations. Like the characters 
that you meet on all the various worlds and the stories of like love and betrayal and, you know, loyalty that are sort of going on on each of these floors is really, really good. Really interesting. Sounds fun. Yeah. So let's listen to uh, Knights of the Demon World Tower, which I got from the album All Sounds of Saga. mentioned goofy translations earlier <laughs> uh i i'm gonna i kind of want to talk about woolseyisms. i don't know hopefully i'm not railroading here okay no, so, no go ahead yeah like you said there's goofy translations and it was kind of a it was a thing back then right mm-hmm. and final fantasy 4 was was one such game also square right um and i guess there was this guy ted woolsey who after final fantasy 2 didn't do so well in the west square kind of hired him to step up the translation game um and he he did an okay job depending on who you ask it's like people either love him or hate him because he would just do like try and translate it as literally as possible and it would be like (laughs) and then he'd throw in weird like colloquialisms like i'm loaded for bear and stuff like that which you know it doesn't really make sense no matter where you uh yeah you need to have a good enough sort of understanding to like just understand the intent and translate more of the intent than like a literal translation of the words yeah but so anyway the point is yeah square actually did uh, embark upon a a mission to improve the the translations over time so <laughs> was he was he just like a, a westerner that was living in japan or um where did they find him do you know uh yeah he was westerner but i think he taught in japan and got okay i think he got a master or something in english or japanese literature so they hired him to to do translation for i think most of the games after final fantasy 4 which i talked about the spoonie bard maybe was the flashpoint for this but he did final fantasy legend 3 i believe chrono trigger um so a lot of people uh like his translations because they're just from that era. Yeah. I, I'm among them. It's one of those things, too, that like every time these games see a remake or a re-release, they often get a, a new, improved translation. So, And I, I saw a funny quote from him. Apparently, when talking about, you know, how to improve the translations, he was like, you know, some of the stuff from Japan just doesn't hit over here. Maybe we need to include more scatological humor for the West. <laughs> I don't remember. Scatological humor. must have been vetoed because there's really none of that. He was joking, of course, right? Hope he was right? joking. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, for me and probably a lot of other... What is scatological humor? Poop, poop jokes. jokes. Oh, poop jokes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one more thing I want to mention about the Final Fantasy Legend, just to bring it back to that after our tangent into poop jokes. Yeah. 
is, uh, and I, I'm, I did mention this in our Game Boy centric episode, is that this was a sort of a departure for Nobuo Uematsu as well to finally be composing in stereo sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because the Game Boy had that capability, and that was another thing which really just got the, got this music into me was having those little black headphones that came with my Game Boy with the little red side and the little blue side and and having, like, stereo sound right off the top. Like, this was, and I, I've said this before, is that this was the game and the series that introduced me to the concept of stereo sound, period. Like, this is where I first noticed it. This is where I first said, oh, hey, it's here, it's here. Now it's sort of like traveling across mm-hmm. both sides. Like, that was my that was my introduction. And I so I have to give a big thanks to Nobuo and, uh, and to Final Fantasy Legend. Speaking of stereo sound, um, I wouldn't mind uh, throwing in a shout out here, which is something me and the guys have definitely talked about before, but we guy on YouTube. Oh, yeah, we you guy. We is it, is we, it we you guy or is it we guy? Maybe it's we guy. It's we guy. We, yeah. Yeah, we guy. Yeah. We guy on uh, YouTube. That's the name of the channel. It's a weird name, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter because he provides an excellent service in where he stereoizes, if you will old mono tracks. So he has tons and tons and tons of soundtracks. Largely NES stuff. Largely NES, but he's done, he's done, uh, he's done some Genesis and other Mm -hmm. things and, and, and older stuff um, where he basically takes it and he usually changes it up a bit. He's, he's sort of remastering it in a way. And he's not like fundamentally changing the music, but he's remastering it to give a better quality to the sound as well. Like, so you get more, better, like quality to each instrument and he's separating the tracks and he's putting it all out. And it's almost like this is the best version of each of those. It's true to the source and it's improved upon the source. Yeah, exactly. So if you're, you're if you're an absolute purist, uh, you won't like it. But <laughs> if, if you just want to hear what is like maybe the best version of, uh, of any of your old, uh, NES or Famicom favorites, uh, his stuff is fantastic. I had, I used to rip my own stuff off of like ROMs and for like just, yeah, back in the day, yeah, yeah. using like Winamp and then like ripping my own stuff using plugins. And I have since like replaced every soundtrack I've ever ripped with his version instead because yeah. his stuff is just so good. Yeah, so, and so he, he provides downloads to them. He does. He does. He, yeah. does. he provides downloads. On it. The links are in his YouTube videos. Okay, because I have seen his videos. That I know his little. Yes, he's, he's got yeah. he's got an artistic avatar representation of himself. I think it's something yeah. a fan did for him yeah, years exactly. ago, and he's left it as the the you know the logo of his channel forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, at the bottom of his uh, at the bottom of every um, of every video, there's a download link, and usually the download link is even higher quality. Like it's mm-hmm. a you know it's a less compressed version of it too. So it's fantastic, and yeah. he's been going for years and years. Yeah, and he's yeah. his catalog is massive now. Yeah. So if you're just a video game music fan like we are, uh, and you love the NES in particular or any of that old mono stuff, and you want to hear it in beautiful stereo <laughs> sound, uh, we guys channel yeah. is so thank is you, we guy. Go. Thank we, you, we, we, guy. Owe, we yeah. owe you a lot. We do, we do. Thank you, we guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So is that all you have for uh, Saga or Final Fantasy Legend? That is. That is. All right. Well, that means that it is it is the fourth week. And if you are a, a dedicated listener of VGM Generations, you will know that the fourth week is game week. So it's time <laughs> for the Name That Tune game. And uh, because this week I was uh, inspired by a song that I heard in Smash Bros, I decided that our game 
would be Smash Bros themed. So um, we're actually going to pare down. So normally we had been doing uh, like system. It was game sound system was what we did last time. And that worked out pretty good. Uh, for this one, though, because it's all Smash Bros, uh, what we are going to do is we're going to do... Uh, well, I'll leave it up to you guys. I have two ideas. You tell me what you think. Either it's going to be just the sound. Just tell me what the sound is because the sounds do go through games. Or if you want the extra level of difficulty, you can name me the the sound and then the game it's from. It can be just bonus points, maybe. Yeah. yeah. You want to leave so it what the sound us? is and then the game it's the from game as it's, a bonus which, point? Which, you know, which Smash Bros, which of the four it's from. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just say right now that uh, Norm has a <laughs> advantage has in this a considerable <laughs> advantage. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but I tried to make it. If any of you are are Smash Bros fans like myself, uh, I don't I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. Smash Bros uh, is far and away my most played game. I've played Smash Bros every Friday with my core group of friends since high school, all the way up to present. So it's been like probably ten years of or more of actually way more of playing smash bros at this point so and i play it every single friday so for me this is like second nature <laughs> but for these guys we'll see not for me my most played game in the series is actually well melee because you know we we demoed it on the nintendo tour oh yeah, yeah but yeah. beyond that my most played my second most played game in the series is uh the original the n64 original well you may be in luck uh, you may be in luck <laughs> it's, been, so, it's been a long time <laughs> so anyway so uh let's start with the first listen through of the sounds for the game. So what the sound is in the game it comes from. Yeah. And there's four? There's five. Five. Five different sounds. All right. I'm going to put five points here. <laughs> and they'll all be blank. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. All Falcon right. Punch. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't make it quite that easy. But here we go. Here are your... I was hoping you would. First listen to the five sounds. There you go. There's listen one. There's five sounds oh, in there. Oh, that's all five of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go quick. So we'll probably have to do um, multiple, maybe more than three listens for this because it does go pretty quick. I think it's only six seconds for five sounds. So. Yeah, I'm going to need a few listen through. Right. Are you ready for your second one? Yeah. Yep. All right. Norm? Yep. All right. Here we go. Is listen through number two. Norm, Norm's looking at the sky, so I think Aaron might be, no. might be better. Do you see me writing anything? Because are you not writing? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna copy off Norm's test. There you go. That's a good one. All right. Listen number three. Personally, I think number four is the easiest, but. Depends on what games you've played in the past. All right. How many how many plays do we get? Uh, I'm gonna say maximum five. So we should probably cut out all the plays. We can yeah, yeah, we can short it. All right, here's another one. I like leaving them all in though, so that like people at home can like play along. They get the same number of chances that you guys get. All right, I don't think I'm getting any more. You're not getting any more? Nope. I'm good. You good? Okay. <laughs> all righty. That's it for the place. So, um, all right. So, Aaron, did you get the first one? No. 
<laughs> Norm, any guess? Uh, someone getting hit. No, it is. I, I guessed it was on the N64. It is on the N64. So you get a <laughs> uh, bonus point for a that. Bonus point. Uh, that was the ray gun sound. So if you guys remember, like just the standard ray gun blaster that you pick up, mm-hmm. that's that one. Uh, number two, any guess? Someone no. getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> you really write something getting hit for all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So that was shield break. No, I don't know. No, that was a bumper. You know the bumper that you saw? Yes. You know you what? Like, ching 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 ching. I actually that's thought on. of that in my head. I thought of the bumper and then uh, forgot to write it down. Uh. Sorry, no bonus points for that. <laughs> I, I I'm not asking for a point for that. <laughs> did you did you guys guess the system? No. No? No. All right, that was N64 again. So, so far, Aaron has one point on N64. Uh, the third sound. Someone getting hit. <laughs> Someone getting hit. Did you really write? Yeah. Melee. <laughs> uh, no, that was a target break. Uh, if you uh, remember that. Break the targets. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was a target break from N64. I, de- I definitely made this one too hard. Uh, number four. <laughs> Someone getting hit? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh. <laughs> that was the Pokeball opening. Oh, yeah. It has that distinct plaque noise. Yeah. I can see it now that you say it. Any guess on system? I'm no. going to say GameCube. Is it Melee? Uh, no. no. It was Brawl. Okay. It was Wii. Uh, and did anyone the, play more than five minutes of Brawl? I did. <laughs> no. I played a lot of Brawl. Uh, but then I started playing Project M once that came out. Uh, and then the last one? I wrote down Home Run Bat. That is correct. Oh, I got, I got a point. Got I a point. wrote down Home Run Bat, and then I erased it and put Luigi hitting someone with his fire uppercut for <laughs> N64. Um, oh, I don't know if that's the same sound. It might be. I'm just trying to think Uh-oh, back. Oh, a loophole. Yeah, it might be. But I know that a meteor strike in certain scenarios have the same run. And so you said it was his up, like his uppercut yeah, where he knocks out the coins. Spot the, uh, yeah, if you sweet spot Luigi's uppercut, yeah, it'll light him on fire super and blast. send him packing. Hmm. It might be the I same. Have to, you'll have to it look into that. It might be the same sound, but re- technically it would be the home run bat because this is from... Uh, Wii U, the most recent. All right, I did. I had that bonus point wrong. Yeah, that bonus point wrong. Yeah. All did right. you downsample these? <laughs> I didn't. I pulled the. I pulled them straight from the game. So, <laughs> so yeah. So that is. Uh, that's that game. So Aaron wins. I got two points. Aaron wins with two points. All right, way too, way too hard. I got. <laughs> z- yeah. See. No, you 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 wrote home run bat, didn't you? Oh. No, you no, said I he wrote, yeah, wrote it and then he raced it. I, yeah. So. All right. <laughs> So that was an extra hard version of the game. But yeah, those were the Smash Pro sounds. I thought, Norm, I thought you'd be all over this, buddy. Well, I was kind of hedging my bets with someone getting hit. Music I could do. I just, I don't. Yeah. Sound, oh, sounds really? like just tough. And like, think about Smash Brothers and how big that game is and how many sounds there are. I know, it. but like, for me, like those sounds are so iconic. <laughs> I swear to God, I could have done that blindfolded. So anyway. All right. Well, that's it for this game. <laughs> but Aaron wins. Aaron's, yeah, we, we tried. Aaron's holding the title for now. Yeah. I will make it even easier next time. Every time I got to reduce the difficulty until I find the right difficulty. But uh, okay. So, so you, that, re- you realize I spent like eight hours listening to RPG music over the last week just training for this, right? Did you really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. You should have known I'm not an RPG guy. My wife left me. I, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. Norm had a rough week. Um, but no. Uh, so yeah, that's it for uh, this episode, uh, and then we're going to talk about the prize. So um, 
For the prize, you uh, the three games in the giveaway this month are Chrono Trigger on mobile or the eShop, uh, Ollie Ollie 2 on Steam or PlayStation, and Renowned Explorers on Steam. Uh, and to win that, all you got to do is hop on Twitter or Facebook and interact with us in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we like all forms of interaction. We especially like questions or comments. Those are great. Uh, likes and retweets are excellent as well. Um, and uh, if you want to... Oh, yeah. And of course, uh, that is VGM Generations on Facebook or at VGM Generations on Twitter. And you can always email us at the email address vgmgenerations at gmail.com. Uh, also, I think I've been mentioning in the last few episodes, uh, if you leave us a review on iTunes, that's an instant win of the contest pretty much because it's worth a million points. Free stuff. Because that helps us uh, get more followers, which is something we're always trying to do. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. That was RPG Month. Next month, we'll be coming at you with a whole new topic, but uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next time.